going to give you the points, back of your bulletins, early. Uh, it'll help set the context for the message, I think, uh, better than waiting until the message progresses. And so I uh, hear the two points. If you are note takers, you can write these in. The grace to persevere is displayed by godly examples and is drawn from God's word. So that sets the context for the morning as we are going to look through 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, the remainder of the chapter. I believe it's got great challenges for all of us. Well, I love students. Always have. Middle school, high school, even when I was one. I love students. And so for the first 20 years of my vocational ministry, or nearly, uh, that's where I vested my life, student ministry. Age 15, student camp. Last night, the pastor for the week for us shared the gospel. Of course, I had already surrendered my life earlier that year. And then he began to talk with us about those with whom we knew. And so he encouraged us to make lists of the names of every person we'd ever met or known with whom we had some kind of a relationship. So all of us in that four-minute period were frantically writing the names of every person we knew. And then when that period of time was done, he asked us to circle the names of those with whom we knew for certain knew Jesus. So going through the lists, some family members, some friends, circling names, some adults that were friends of my parents who had been in our lives for a long time, circled names. And then at the end of that, after about a minute and a half, he said, what are you going to do with the names or with the people with whom you could not circle their names? And he challenged us with the gospel. And that night, age 15, summer 1985, I surrendered my life to ministry. And for the duration of it, again, being a student at the time uh, in high school, my passion and love for students just grew. And so over the 20 years of serving directly in that, you can imagine there were unique moments or time periods when God worked in such profound ways that I just even now step back and go, wow. One of those time periods happened in uh, Joplin, Missouri, 1995, 10 years after surrendering uh, to ministry. There was a uh, couple of students, there were a couple of students, Andrew and Courtney Nave, twins, guy and girl. Both were passionate for the Lord. Andrew, passionate for his friends. And so we had an event that was coming up They've already both participated in it previously called Disciple Now. Many of you know what Disciple Now is. You've helped. You've been a part of it as part of our church family because that's been part of our heritage here as well. And so Andrew, that year in particular, was really striving to live out 1 Timothy 4.12, which was a heralded verse all the way through student ministry. Even today is dear to me. Uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. And so Andrew, as a sophomore, had a strong desire to live that out. And so he, over the period of three different days, grabbed flyers, more than 100 total, and went and invited every member of the junior varsity football team to come to Disciple Now, every person he sat with at tables, every person he crossed in the hallway. If, if he could hand a flyer to someone and personally invite him, he did it. More than 100. Well, that year, six of his guys came. So keeping that in context, more than 100, six responded, said they would come. 
And so it's Saturday night, Disciple Now, four sessions completed. After that, if you're not aware of what takes place, the leader, even in our context and setting, goes back individually with each student, asks questions, looks through a profile, finds out where they're at with the Lord. If they don't know the Lord, they individually share the gospel. If they do know the Lord, they look for avenues of encouragement. So these six lost, unchurched guys who came with Andrew at the Bennett home began doing one-on-ones with Russ Montgomery, a friend of mine from Southwest Baptist University. And so 10.15, the age before cell phones, my home phone rings. Does anyone know what a home phone is? And so I picked it up at 10.15 at night. Of course, I'd been praying for the students and all that. And uh, Darren, you're not going to believe it. What's that? Brad Barley surrendered his life to Jesus. One of Andrew's friends. Well, that's amazing. That's, that's what that, that is. Uh, by the way, one more background and then we'll keep going. Uh, our church family, First Baptist Joplin, averages about 220 on uh, Sunday mornings. Our student ministry at that time averaged about 65. And so not only did Andrew, but others had such a big desire to reach the lost that that disciple now that we had 186 students who came and be almost as many as we averaged on Sunday mornings. So six of those were Andrews. Okay, back to the story. So I'm on the phone. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable. 30 minutes later, call number two. You're not going to believe it. Casey just surrendered his life to Jesus. What's that? Wow. Another phone call. Chris, another phone call. Jay, another phone call. Tony, now it's like 1245. I'm preaching the next day. I'm already exhausted because it's Disciple Now weekend. I'm the student pastor. <laughs> Something okay. And Darren, the last one is set. It's Ben. Well, Ben Miller, we've been praying for for months. Ben, proclaimed atheist, estranged from his parents, lived with his grandma, unchurched. She had a Catholic background. 1.15 in the morning, I get the call. You're not going to believe it. Ben just surrendered his life. Six for six. Never in my entirety of student ministry, before or after, with that number Has it been six for six? Every friend he invited surrendered their life to Jesus. I'm on the phone, shocked, wanted to go to the house. I didn't. Laid awake, praying for those guys, thanking God for the miracle of what he'd done. Andrew Nave, sophomore, 15 to 16 years old. I, at that time in my 20s, looking at his example, thinking, what in the world? I have much to learn from Andrew Nave, one whom I had the privilege of discipling, who he was reaching out to the lost. Who was your Andrew Nave? Obviously, somewhere along the line, someone shared the gospel with you. Obviously, somewhere along the line, someone set a godly example for you whether it be parents, family members, friends, church members, whatever it be, who set that example in your life where you realized, I don't have what that person has. There's a connection to God that I want. And as a result of that example, that individual surrendered to Jesus, you, Seeing the example of that person surrendered your life to Jesus.
regardless of age. Godly examples are important, especially now in our world that is filled with much other. Clinging to the word of God is critical. And we're going to see that in Paul's writing to Timothy today. But before we start to read, let's pray. So God, we're asking for your help today. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts. Draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read this passage together. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through the end of the chapter. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we see in the beginning of these verses, 10 and 11 in particular, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Remember the context of this again. Paul writing from a prison cell to Timothy, saying that God had rescued him. That's an interesting picture for us to consider. As we oftentimes allow sin or other things in our lives, discouragement, whatever it be, to imprison us, our lives as well. At times we realize it and recognize it. At times we don't. But we have a need as well for God to rescue us. And Paul, even in this setting, when he's actually in prison, said God rescued him. What a godly example. Now, is Paul pointing to himself and saying, Timothy, you, by the letter, by the footstep, follow me. Whatever I do, you do. Well, some would say, That was what Paul was communicating. But actually what Paul was stating to Timothy, challenging him with, was to fall so deeply in love with Jesus, to walk with him in an intense relationship, being impassioned by Christ in his life, that he, instead of following Paul's example, although that was a godly example for him and important, that he would follow Jesus. Christ in his life, that he would be the ultimate where his eyes were firmly fixed. Paul was reminding Timothy, see my example, but you follow Jesus. Paul's desire for Timothy, for him to go much further with the gospel than Paul ever had. It's the desire of every parent. That our kids far surpass the faith that we have ever experienced. Any parent that loves Jesus, whom I know, serious about imparting the faith to their kids is that they will so much fall in love with God that if God calls them to stay in Overland Park or Olathe for the duration of their lives, great. As long as they're following in step with him and being obedient. If it's to be in a different state because that's God's calling in their life, that they would be obedient and go. If it's another country, 
regardless of whether it be impoverished or not, that if they hear the voice of God, that they be obedient and they go, and that they experience God in ways that we honestly never have. That's how Tiffany and I pray for our kids. And that's how you pray for yours, parents. Kids, whether you realize it or not, your parents are vested on their knees for you, that you would fall so deeply in love with Jesus that lives by comparison, yours with ours, are so starkly different because you took the risks, because you obeyed, because you loved, because you'd gone so much further than we ever thought possible. Hoping that, praying that, trusting God for that in your life, that you would fall so deeply in love with him. That's what Paul was desiring for Timothy, that he would follow so intensely Christ that by comparison, Paul would pale. He then goes on in verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, there's the whole theme of 2 Timothy. Every week we've been in it, and we will to the end talk about this aspect of persecution. That when we fall in love with Jesus, we will absolutely be persecuted, and we can become discouraged. Paul was telling Timothy, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving in themselves being deceived, they will continue to worsen unless they surrender their lives to Jesus and the gospel. They will continue to get worse. And it may seem that they're having every avenue of life just handed to them and that things are going great. But the reality is they are but shells if they don't have a relationship with Christ. And not only themselves are they deceived, but they're deceiving others. And they will continue to get worse. And we've seen that happen in our world as we've, all of us, regardless of age grown, we've seen how those who we thought at one point were bad have continued in evil ways and have gotten worse as time has gone. He was reminding Timothy to not get his eyes focused on people, but to get him focused on the Lord, to remain there. And to remember, you don't have to worry about that piece of it. The piece of it you need to focus on is your relationship with Christ, keeping your eyes firmly fixed on him. Then we see in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So we think back to the first chapter of 2 Timothy about Paul reminding Timothy of this vested interest that his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice had in him. Now, neither of those at the time had a relationship with God, but they knew enough Old Testament to be able to transition this process of learning God's word, Old Testament, uh, the stories, the individuals, the different things that they learned related to um, all of the writings that were there into Timothy's life. And then Timothy surrendering his life to Jesus at some point following, beginning about the age, I guess, of five or what the manuscripts tell us when he really started grasping and grabbing what these Old Testament writings were, eventually again surrendering his life to Jesus. That is one of the reasons I am so grateful for being a part of Blue Valley Baptist Church. Do you realize that those who serve in the preschool area are not just glorified childcare? Do you know what those individuals are doing who are in there with those babies? Not just rocking, singing songs about Jesus, letting those babies know how much God loves them and cares about them and has a plan for their life, praying over them as they're rocking and holding those babies. The very influence of Christ into the lives of your preschoolers. Then as they get up to age two, three, four, five, they go into classes and, and they hear teachings about Christ. 
continued theme, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And there's this problem that we have called sin. A need for repentance that's, that's happening in the classrooms. And so no wonder many of our kids at a young age come into a relationship with Jesus. Because not only is it being enforced at home, reinforced the truths of God's word, but every time they come here, these individuals who are serving in preschool and big kids and students and adults are loving on them so much that the gospel is penetrating their minds and hearts in Christ Jesus, even before the time that they can speak a word. Tracy and Jen are very serious about that aspect of ministry, as are those of you who serve in the preschool department. You know how often you get thanked for doing what you do? Outside of Jen and Tracy, maybe an occasional parent, very little. If those serving were just to do it for the sake of getting thanks, they would have quit yesterday, if not years before. They don't do it for the sake of thanks. They do it because it's the calling of God in their lives. And God is making a difference because of your example and the way you're living out and loving on these kids. Kevin, Aim, Micah, same lines. Big kids, students, what about our adults? Those who are teaching week in, week out, loving on, setting an example for, not being perfect. Listen, none of us are perfect. We know that already. Loving God, having him equip us, and us being his very hands and feet, and speaking the truth of God's word. Setting the example for those. Being grateful for those who have come in our past. So in your past, who are some of those godly examples with whom you can point back to? Let me ask this. Who are those who know you? Who if they were sitting in this room and I were to take a microphone around and ask, who invested in your life? Who made a profound impact for the gospel in you? Would say your name. If you have walked with Jesus for any duration of time, let's say six months or longer, there should be, hopefully would be, at least one who would list out your name for being a God of the example to them, if not more, to the glory of God. If that's not the case, then I'm just straight out telling you, God has better for you than what you're doing. Two things remain from this planet. God's word and people. That's it. We vest ourselves in so many other places. That's a message for another day. If you're missing those two things, you're missing it all. Congrats on climbing the ladder at work. Proud of you for having a great portfolio. Way to survive whatever it is that you're in. But if your life is surrounded and circled by things other than those. You bought the lie and you're missing it. You're missing it. Continue in what you learned. Then we move to verse 16. All scripture is God breathed, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The inerrant word of God, he actually breathed out on the authors. There is no book like it. 
there will never be another book like it. Fully inspired by God. That many authors over that many hundreds of years put together for us that has endured time. And there have been individuals who have come on our planet who have tried to destroy it. All have failed. Once again, showing the endurance of God's word in itself. If we are not spending time in it, we're missing God's best for our life. So what does your rhythm look like there? Now for some, and maybe it's been a while since you've had a regular rhythm of spending time with God in his word. And if your evaluation of it would be for us today that, well, I do two or three verses in the course of a day, and then I come to church on Sundays, and I worship, and I hear a message, and and that's basically the extent of it. This being God's love letter to us, if we're not spending time in, if we're not investing ourselves in, if we're not memorizing, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, how are we even going to know how to walk or function? And it's not just that. We intimately get to know and spend time with the God of the universe when we spend time here. And so if that's not been a regular rhythm of your life, I encourage you and challenge you. Starting today, there's a little thing called a Bible app. It's not hard to find at the app store. If you've never gotten it on your phone, get that thing. They're reading plans. You can establish your own and begin spending time with them. If you have a rhythm and you have a routine and God is speaking into that, keep it going. Persevere. Continue to lean on the grace of God and watch him transform you from the inside out. And there is no age that is too young to spend time in God's word. It is useful for all of those things and more. It actually draws us close to the very heart of God when we spend time in it. Why would we not? The grace to persevere is displayed in godly examples. The grace to persevere is drawn from God's word. So let's, let's wrap it up. What are our challenges, the application pieces for this? Uh, Number one, related to godly examples. Uh, Maybe someone you've had a conversation with, maybe someone you haven't. Someone whom you would identify as a follower of Jesus who you know walks with him. I encourage you in the next month, reach out to him and ask him to spend 30 minutes to an hour with you. To give you the opportunity to ask them the question, Tell me about your rhythms with the Lord. Because it's obvious that you're following him, that you're in love with him, and I want to learn. Listen, you can be five or 85 to do that. It doesn't matter. But there are people within this church family who love God that deeply, who would love to spend time with you. So reach out, make the effort. Can I have 30 minutes to an hour of your time? And then ask him and let him begin to speak. Following that, If they say yes, hopefully they will. It may be possible that the Lord is calling that person into your life in a different, unique way that's more of a consistent vesting in you. And he may, at that point, the Lord prompt you to ask, would you disciple me? Would you spend time with me? Would you invest your life in me for a period of six months to a year? Find someone who loves Jesus within our church family, and ask him. Next, God's word. We've already talked about it. Make it a priority. Begin spending time with him. He wants to spend time with you. Primarily in his word, 
calling you to be the person that he's called you to be. Each one of us unique in that. For the sake of being driven closer to the very heart of God as we fall more deeply and deeply in love with him. He wants that for your life. Did you realize that? He desires intimacy with you. That is profound in itself. All right, let's go back to aim, um, to um, aim, he's our student pastor, to Andrew and uh, to Ben. Andrew, godly example, would have never in a million years said, follow my example, and I'm getting the glory for this deal. Even 25 years later now, Andrew wouldn't take credit for those guys. He was obedient in asking. He was faithful in sharing. But God is the one who did the work in those guys' lives. And he would be the first to admit it to you. God is the one who did the work. I was just obedient. Praise God. Andrew's still walking with Jesus today, by the way, living in Wichita, Kansas, with his wife and their kids, serving the church, loving God, making a kingdom difference. What have been this hardcore atheist, 1995? Well, he still lives in the Joplin area, serves as a deacon at his church, has a wife and kids, walking with God. Not perfect. Neither's Andrew. Neither's your pastor. Loving God and continuing. The perseverance of grace in his life, in Andrew's life, in mine. Who has been an Andrew for you? And to whom have you been an Andrew for? And if it's been a while, who will be your next Ben? Reading from the message, a paraphrase of this passage, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. You've been a good apprentice to me, a part of my teaching, my manner of life, direction, faith, steadfastness, love, patience, troubles, sufferings, suffering along with me in all the grief I had put up with that Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And you also well know that God rescued me. Anyone who wants to live all out for Christ is in it for a lot of trouble. There is no getting around it. Unscrupulous con men will continue to exploit the faith. They're as deceived as the people they led astray. As long as they are out there, things can only get worse. But don't let it phase you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers, why you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful for one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. For the tasks God has for you. He's not done with you yet, and he won't be until you see him face to face. Same with me. Let's pray.